Well, today we're going to take one week off of our Ephesians series because when we regather next week, the, the text there is just perfect for the church regathering. So today I wanted to bring an encouraging message to you from the book of 1 Peter. So you can go ahead and open up to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. The sermon is called, When Faith and Life Collide. I think a lot of people are asking the question, how does faith work when life gets hard? How does faith work when I feel stuck? Uh, how does faith work? When that happens, well, Peter writes to the church that's suffering, and he writes to encourage them. He writes to lift their spirits and to exhort them to keep moving forward. So that's my goal today, and, and Peter is the perfect one to talk about recovering after we feel like maybe we've fallen down. You remember, right? Peter, he's drawing from his own experience here when he was warned by Jesus himself, right? Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And Peter's like, though I'll forsake you, I never will. And then that very night, a servant girl is all it took to, to lead Peter to just deny Christ. And so now we have a much older, wiser, veteran apostle who's writing to us about how we can make sure that we're moving forward with Christ. Let's pray, and then we will get into the Word together. Father, thank you for this book written by this man. We know his failures. We know his weaknesses. We know his folly. And today, Peter is going to encourage us to walk humbly with our God. We pray that you would lift our spirits and encourage us. Show us what happens when faith and life collide. And help us, O Lord, to grow in faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, uh, look actually right at, at the second part of verse 5, and we'll lead into it. Here's what Peter says. He says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Then verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He says, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The first thing you can write down is this. Number one, when the worries of life bury you, get low before God. Hey, listen, when the worries of life bury you, get low before God. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he might exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. When the worries of life bury you, get low before God. In verse 6, it says, humble yourselves. A few weeks ago, I shared with you that there is a Guinness book, uh, there is a Guinness record in the books for the lowest limbo. And I want to remind you of that because I'm still amazed by it, but check it out. Here is the limbo champ. And how low can she go? She can limbo, get this, eight and a half inches. Yes, so take a ruler, stand it up, and then shorten it and try and limbo under that. Well, she can do it. So let me ask you, how low are you going before God? Peter is saying that we have to not rise up in pride. And you can, you can just imagine as he's writing this, he remembers how foolish he was and how proud he was and how arrogant he was. I'm the greatest. And now he is getting eight inches to the floor before a holy God. Hey, is that you? Are you humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God? True humility means taking a low posture under God's mighty hand. You're not demanding that God do something for you. You're not acting like you deserve better. You are truly humbling yourself. This happens when we recognize God's greatness and might, and therefore we bow under his mighty hand. 
Hey, are you humble enough to suffer for Christ? Are you humble enough to stay near even when life is painful? Are you humble enough to accept God's answer or no answer? His timeline, even if it's slower than yours? His provision in his increment? Are you humble enough to get low before a holy God? Well, why would I do that? It says here, so that the proper time he may exalt you. Why? Why do we humble ourselves? Because it says here, God exalts the humble. He who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. That's a spiritual rule. So when you humble yourself, God will, at the proper time, exalt you. Hey, maybe it'll happen in this life. Maybe it will happen in the next life. But humility leads to a promotion spiritually. Are you humbling yourself? You know what it's like to think about getting a promotion at work, right? Better pay, more respect, better benefits. And God has a promotion for people who humble themselves. You remember the story of Joseph, right? In prison one day, ruling an empire the next. It's not hard for God to lift you up. He can do it with a snap of his fingers, but he'll do it at the proper time if you humble yourself. When the worries of life bury you, get low before God. How do, how do I do that? Look at verse 7. It says, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Why do I get low? Because he'll lift you up. How do I do it? Cast your anxieties on him. This idea of casting something means to throw it off. So imagine after a hard day of yard work, right? You've got dirty clothes on and you throw them in the hamper. That's what we do with our worries and our anxieties. We're supposed to throw them off like filthy clothes. And we're supposed to throw them in God's direction. I like that idea. Worrying is like wearing dirty laundry for another day. Listen, when you worry about your problems today and tomorrow, I want you to imagine what you're doing. It's like you're wearing dirty laundry because you haven't cast your cares at the Lord. You're still wearing it. Listen, throw your anxieties at God. He can bear them better than you. Cast all of your anxieties on him. It says here, because he cares for you. So we're not only recognizing the power of God, we're recognizing the love of God. Hey, do you worry about your kids? Do you worry about your health? Do you worry about your marriage and your finances and your job? Do you know that God cares more than you about those things? That you can cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you? Do you know that if you sat down at the table with your children, God could tell you the number of hairs on their head? I'm betting you're not at that level of parenting yet where you're actually counting every hair on their head. God is. Listen, God's a better parent than you'll ever be. We have to trust that he cares. Do you know that God has a heavenly accounting department? And while you're worried about the future of your finances, he knows where every nickel on the planet is stored. Do you know that if he wanted to, he could just bring a fish up with, with money in its mouth for you? He has no problem meeting all of your needs. He's a much better accountant than you'll ever be. Why are you worrying? Why don't you cast your cares upon the Lord? Are you worried about your health? 
Do you know when you go to the doctor, if you went to the best doctor in the world, God would laugh at what that doctor sees in you. Because God knows every molecule about you. Do you trust God because he cares about your health? Too often Christians are carrying around the burdens of this life all by themselves. We're worrying. We're not praying. We're not releasing these things to God. It's like baggage. If you go to the airport, you bring baggage, right? And you're supposed to bring your bags up to the counter and check them. In the Sacramento airport, they've got this funny sculpture here, this art piece of art. Here's a picture of baggage. Baggage in the airport. And can you imagine wheeling that up, right, to the counter? Here's my bags. And I think here's the thing. For a lot of Christians, that's their life. It's all piled up on them because they haven't checked their bags with God. Airports are very interested in your baggage. There's restrictions. They weigh them. They'll sometimes look inside of them. They're very, and listen, God is very interested in your baggage. And here's the great news. There's no limit to the baggage you can check with God. He says, cast all of your anxieties on him. All of it. Do you know that in the Christian life, you're not supposed to have any carry-on? None. You're supposed to leave it with God and then trust him. Did you pray about it? Then why are you clinging so tightly to God's luggage? If you checked it with him, walk away and trust him because he's got it. Number one, when the worries of life bury you, get low before God. He'll lift you up and he cares for you. Number two, jot this down. While you tread water, win your spiritual battles. So, so while you tread water, meaning you feel stuck in place and you're not getting anywhere, win your spiritual battles. It goes on in verse 8 to say this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Throughout the world. So, this is a portrait of somebody who's stuck, they're vulnerable, they're weak, and Satan is coming for them. Listen, while you tread water, expect attack and win your spiritual battles. How? Well, it says here, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. The idea of sober-minded in the Greek, um, it, it could literally mean don't be drunk, like be sober bodily, but it takes on another form. It's figurative of a person who is sober spiritually. Uh, and what that means is, you can already imagine it, if you, if you get blitzed and you get behind the wheel, you're going to be swerving all over the road, right? Well, spiritually, sometimes when we're in a bad place, it's like we're swerving all over spiritually. It's like we're, we're weaving in and out of God's word and we're, we're heading into oncoming traffic and we're, we're following Christ and then we're not and we're confident that we're not and we're in harm's way. Hey, listen, be sober-minded. Don't swerve spiritually. Don't drunk drive your faith when life gets hard. Stay in the lane. Move forward and trust God. And then it says, be watchful. 
The idea of watchfulness here means to be awake. You can again hear Peter remembering when he, he and the other disciples fell asleep on the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed. Satan himself was coming and they were snoring. Can you imagine if Satan himself were coming to knock on your door? You're just snoring, totally out of touch with the spiritual peril that was approaching. It says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Be awake. Your eyes are stretched wide open. You're not in a slumber. Hey, listen, don't swerve spiritually and don't snore spiritually. Maybe you feel like you're just fast asleep and your, your life right now with the Lord is a lullaby and, and you're, you're not awake, you're not alert. Well, we're being given a warning here. And listen, this warning could not be described any stronger. Because in this passage, there is a lion on the loose. It says here, the devil, your adversary, prowls around like a roaring lion. This is a roaring lion who's cloaked. You can't see him. If there was a lion on the loose in your neighborhood that wasn't cloaked, imagine what you would do. Kids, get inside. We're locking the door. We're calling the police and animal control. We're not going outside. Listen, there is a cloaked lion on the loose in the world. And Peter knows what it was like. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Peter went down in flames. It says he's looking for someone to devour. That means to swallow whole. Listen, Satan is picking his target. He's looking for those who are vulnerable, who are asleep. He's waiting for the right time. And then he will strike. Check this out. This is a video of a lion. Are you ready for that? Because that's what Peter's warning us about. He wasn't ready. And it almost ruined his faith. It almost ruined the church. Hey, while you tread water, win your spiritual battles. Do you know, do you believe that Satan has an agenda for your marriage? He's coming. That he has a plan for your children. That he has schemes for this church. So does God. And if we're awake, and we're alert, and we're humbling ourselves, Satan doesn't stand a chance. So how should we respond? Well, in verse 9, it says this, resist him. You're ready to resist him. Firm in the faith. You're clinging to the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not complaining to God that you're being singled out for cruel and unusual punishment. Woe is me. I can't make it. I'm done. I tried. Hey, listen, stand up and stand firm. And after you've suffered a little while, that means that it's, it's going to happen. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So this takes us to our third point. Number one, when the worries of life bury you, get low before God. Number two, while you tread water, win your spiritual battles. Number three, and after you suffer loss, stand firm in Christ. It says here, after you have suffered for a little while. After you have suffered 
for a little while. Do you know that you will suffer? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Hey, the Son of God suffered and died. Humility means we're willing to suffer in this world. We're not going to make demands of God. If he ordains a season of suffering and hardship, we will humbly follow him wherever he leads. But I like how the Bible just says here, for a little while, a little while. It's just going to be a little while. This is great news. Every trial that comes into your life is stamped with an expiration date by God. Most of the trials in this life will end in this life. Some won't end until the next life. Here's the great news. All of your trials will end. After you suffer a while, a little while. Listen, even if you have a trial that lasts all life long, when you're basking on the shores of eternity, it'll feel like it was just a little while. Just a little while. After you suffer loss, stand firm in Christ. I just want to encourage you because I know that you might feel like you're getting nowhere. You're suffering. God's not doing anything. Here's a picture of a car that's going nowhere. Maybe you feel like that's where you're at. I want to be moving forward and God's just not taking me anywhere. I'm just stuck. I'm struggling. I'm suffering. Maybe that's how you feel. Listen, don't lose heart. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself take action. Do you know, even though you don't feel like God is taking action, he promises he will? God's moving in ways you can't even see right now. I remember when Lauren and I celebrated our 10th anniversary, uh, which, by the way, uh, we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. July 7th is our 20th wedding anniversary. Can you believe it? But back at our 10th anniversary, we went to Mexico to celebrate. And as we were sitting on a beach there, we were near the equator, and I was reading a book. And I learned that at the equator, the earth is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. Listen, a thousand miles an hour at the equator. We've got a picture here of the earth. And if you you know, you know that the earth not only goes around the sun, but it spins in a circle, right? A thousand miles an hour at the equator is as fast as you're traveling. Then I also learned that the earth is traveling 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. I found this to be riveting. There I was sitting in a beach chair without a seatbelt, traveling 67,000 miles an hour. I just held my hands up in the air and said, Woo! Now listen, it doesn't feel like you're going 67,000 miles an hour right now, right? But you are. And you're not wearing your seatbelt. Likewise, when you feel like God is getting you nowhere, He's actually racing you ahead in ways that you can't detect. He's hard at work. He's taking you to a place of greater blessing, greater awareness of His power, greater understanding of His plan. He is speeding you ahead. But it will be hard. The Bible promises us four things God is doing here, and He will do. Jot this down. He will restore. He will restore. That means that he promises himself he will restore. The word there could mean repair, to fix what's broken, to be made whole. Here's a phone that's broken. You might feel like you're broken. 
You might feel like a relationship is broken. You might feel like your budget is broken. Listen, God promises to repair, to restore. He's going to do it. Jot this down. He will confirm. Confirm means to reinforce or strengthen. It means to make something stronger than it is. God himself will confirm, will reinforce. He will do it. Here's a picture of how they make concrete stronger. Concrete is pretty strong, but it's even stronger when you put rebar in it. Metal rods. And God might be putting some metal rods straight through your spine, through your soul, because he's making you stronger. He might have to do some demo in advance. But when God wants to put an addition on your faith, he's got to swing the wrecking ball through your front window. Maybe that's what he's doing. Jot this down. He will strengthen. He will strengthen. This is a synonym of confirm, the previous word. So there's an overlap here. It means to make firm. It means to make stronger. He will restore. He will confirm. He will strengthen. The idea of strengthening makes me think of muscles. I do this uh, workout video sometimes uh, on TV, and when I do it enough, I feel stronger. My muscles feel more firm. I feel like I can lift more. I can run faster. And look, that's how God gets you stronger. But it's hard. It's painful. It's exhausting. He will restore. He will confirm. He will strengthen. Jot this down. He will establish. He will establish. This is a great picture. It means he's laying a solid foundation to prevent future collapse. Why is this happening? Why is life so hard? Why is God not doing it? Listen, he's laying a foundation to prevent future collapse. Well, I don't want to go through this hard. Listen, he doesn't want everything to fall over in the future. Here's a picture of guys laying a foundation at a construction site. This is what God's doing. Why is he digging stuff up? Why is he pouring this down? Why is he making a mess? Because he doesn't want it to fall over. What a wonderful picture of God laying a solid foundation to prevent your collapse. And I love what it says here. He, in verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. What a wonderful picture of the future that's already promised. He himself will do these things. And then it says in verse 11, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is a forever promise. It'll never end. God has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. By name, he has secured your place forever in his eternal kingdom. And he's promised you a share in eternal glory. Listen, whatever you go through in this life, he's got it done. And I just want to lift your spirits. This book was written by a man who failed. He yelled out at the top of his lungs, I never knew Christ. Could there be a worse way to break God's heart? When Jesus looked at him, it says Peter wept bitterly. So I don't know if you feel like you're not doing so well. I don't know if you feel like you've blown it spiritually. I don't know if you feel like you're asleep, right? You're not watching. Maybe you feel like you're swerving. Listen, this is written by a guy who gets that. But it's pointing you to a Lord, the Lord who restored Peter, 
who confirmed him, who strengthened him, who laid a solid foundation. And now veteran Peter, who knows the strength of the Lord, who's a rock that Jesus told him he would become, he's exhorting you. Stand firm in Christ. Let me just encourage you, when the worries of life bury you, get low before God. When you tread water, win your spiritual battles. After you suffer loss, stand firm in Christ and trust He will restore, He will confirm, He will strengthen, He will establish. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what wonderful love and grace you have for Peter. Peter was a fool, and yet he loved you. He jumped out of the boat to get back to you after he failed. And Lord, I pray that with that same spirit, anybody today who's feeling like they're far from you or feeling like they failed you or, or feeling like they're asleep, may they, may they just jump out of the boat and get close to you as fast as they can. Remind us there is a lion on the loose. We can't play around with our sin. And I pray that some today who are, have not heeded the warning would repent right now. Before it's too late, I pray that they would repent and humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. Remind them how strong sin is and how ferocious Satan is and how blinding it is that even though Jesus himself warned Peter, he still fell into the trap. Lord, deliver us. And I pray for those of us who feel weak, who feel weary, who who maybe have even wandered away, I pray that you would restore, that you would confirm, that you would strengthen, that you would establish. Jesus, tend to your sheep. Encourage us this day. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.